0: Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast where we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. It's now the third day of December 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this sitting in the mobile Sully Baseball studio, also known as my car, where I found it in the parking lot. In Palo Alto, California. Hey, if you listened to yesterday's podcast, and I know I did, uh, I'm still here. I'm still sitting in my car. And I realized as I did a quick look on the uh, my cell phone here, there were two names that I messed up in my memory of the 87 Twins and the 88 Dodgers. I forgot George Frazier's name. He was the 24th name I didn't mention. And then I forgot to mention Mickey Hatcher was on the L.A. Dodgers, hit a couple of big home runs for him in the World Series. So there must have been, it was probably Dave Anderson or Mike Sharperson was who I thought was on the roster but wasn't. So there you have it. Forgive me. Uh, I have a very special guest on this, today's podcast, which is going to be Justin McGuire, who is the former editor, the former MLB editor for the Sporting News, someone who I followed on Twitter and in the Internet world for a while. We've exchanged a lot of messages, and I wanted to have him on. I finally, got a chance to do that, so I'm going to play that now with Justin McGuire, former MLB editor for Sporting News, and I had a really nice conversation. And the first question I asked him was, "Which team has the most pressure to win in 2017?" Here's part of my conversation with Justin McGuire.
1: Well, tell you the two the two teams that come to mind the most when you you ask that question. Um, that are two teams that actually played in the playoffs against each other last year, and that's the Nationals and the Dodgers. Those are the two that I kind of think of. Um, the Nationals, of course, have never never won a postseason series. Um, they did as, as the Expos, but in, since they've been in Washington, they've never won one. Um, and, you know, a Washington team hasn't won the World Series since the Senators in 1924. And I think that the, um, the Nationals now have won the division, I think, what, three of the last six seasons or something like that? Yeah. And, and they've got, obviously, a good uh, talented core with Bryce Harper and Max Scherzer and and others, but they're not getting any younger Um, Harper. They only have him guaranteed for two more years. Scherzer is in his thirties. Jason Worth is certainly in his late thirties. So I think that's a team that, you know, they, I don't think they can afford any more empty trips to the postseason. You know what I mean? I feel like they've got to kind of take advantage of this window that they have, which is probably going to be closing in a couple of years. And you look at some of the other teams in the East. I mean, I think the the Braves are a team that in a few years could be competitive again. The Phillies, the Marlins, all those teams look like maybe they're heading in the right direction. So I think I think for the Nationals, there there definitely should be a sense of desperation this coming year, and, and certainly in the next two years when they have now they have Bryce Harbour under contract. Uh, and the other one, like I mentioned, is the Dodgers, you who know, again haven't been in the World Series since 1988 when they when they won it, and of course the famous Kirk Gibson year. And um, they're, they're a team that has won at, what, five, four or five straight division titles, um, but they keep falling short. And again, they have, you know, sort of similar to Harper, you know, you've got Clayton Kershaw, a, a generational talent, and you would hate to think that they're going to they're gonna come up empty for the World Series appearances in, in Clayton Kershaw's prime. So they're another team that I think, while they certainly have resources and you, you feel like they're going to be competitive for a while, you kind of, you, kinda, you, you again, again, it's a team that I feel like they... They don't really want to have any more postseason appearances where they fall short of the World Series. So those are two teams that I think are a bit on the clock right now. You're not going to be remembered for winning the division if you lose losing the division series. It's just, you know, you know, nobody remembers, you know, the Twins winning several division right. series when came up empty. And no one's going to remember. They're going to – I think you could potentially look back at this kind of like you do maybe the 90s-era um, uh, Mariners or something, a team with a lot of talent that just never could put it all together at the right time.
0: Right. and And – you know, when you look at, you're right. I mean, they had, you know, Harper's prime and they bring in Max Scherzer. You put in Max Scherzer who has a Cy Young award winning season and that's not enough to put them over. And the one thing that I know national fans and people keep hating to hear about the idea of, oh, they, they held back Strasburg. And because they were, they weren't going for just one division title, they were going for oh, several. And, you know, you could, make the argument whether that was a smart thing or a uh, or the dumb thing to do but until they win that decision will hang over this team
1: they obviously didn't take advantage of the division title that year and you know you could argue would they have would they have won that series with Strasburg i mean you know we'll never know that but certainly they didn't win that year and now they haven't been able to win in these other years with with him so right and then you know i think a real big disappointment for them has got to be 2015 when they had a historic year from bryce harper i mean just one of the greatest years any of us has ever seen for an individual player and they couldn't even win a division in a a pretty weak division that year i think that's that's that goes along with the postseason failures as as a disappointment for this era nationals
0: which yeah the city of washington hasn't seen a world series since 1933 when king kong came out
1: right exactly so it's uh it's, you know, again, they're they're the team that I think right now, more than any, has kind of got that, they can't win the big one label, fairly or
0: not. People forget a few years ago, when the McCourts were running the team, the Dodgers were one of the most pathetic organizations, not in terms of win-losses, but they were having trouble meeting payroll, there there was the fights in the parking lot, the stadium was not filled, the the interest of the team had plummeted, and so when the, the Ownership that was fronted by Magic Johnson. Let's let's face it. He's not really running the team, but fronted by Magic Johnson. The whole idea was now they're going to spend money. They're going to win divisions. They're going to be a championship team. And there are even people saying they're going to be the Yankees of the West and everything. And they're what they're being is the Yankees of the 1980s, just spending tons of money and bringing in players and yet still having massive holes in their team. You know, Clayton Kershaw is the best pitcher in the world right now. And he has yet to go to the World Series, and you could put some of the blame on him because he's lost some big games. But this team has to do something with their payroll, the expectations, and with the fact that they are, on paper, a better team than San Francisco.
1: Yeah, and and I think when you, when you talk about Kershaw, you know, you hear so many people. We did a we did it when I was back when I was working with SN in the summer. We did a um, ranking of the fifty best players in baseball. And I think um, Kershaw came in third. one of the comments we got was, I think it was Will Leach made the comment. He was one of our voters. Said something like, "Forget, you know, um, forget Sandy Koufax. This is he's going to be Sandy Koufax plus ten years or so, something like that. Like
0: mm-hmm. he's going
1: to put up." But the thing is, Sandy Koufax was Sandy Koufax in part because of, of a lot of postseason success as right. well. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, he, he'd be a Hall of Famer either way, but. Part of his legend, you know, is, is those World Series performances, mm-hmm. um, Game 7 in 1965 and 1963 and that sort of thing. And Kershaw just doesn't have that. He ha- I mean, he hasn't performed particularly well in the postseason, although I think that's overrated to an extent. And just more than anything... He just hasn't been there. He hasn't been in, in the in the you know in the World Series to to show what he can do and to kind of get that national audience for it. And that that you know rightly or wrongly that affects a player's a player's legacy and legend. And you know he's a Hall of Famer regardless, but if he's going to be thought of in those terms, I think he has to have some some of that World Series
0: success. Well, and it, that's part of the Dodger lore too. When you think of every one of the great Dodgers, um, whether it's the Hall of Famers like Jackie or Duke or you know. Fofax or Dreisel, but even the likes of someone like Fernando shown, you know, through the complete game victory in the World Series against the Yankees. Oral Hersheiser, of course, had the spectacular 88 postseason where he basically single-handedly beat the Mets and the A's who were towering over the Dodgers in terms of talent. And that postseason, you go to Dodger Stadium, I've been to many, many games there, you see all the retired... Numbers and all the whether it's Walter Austin or you know Don Newcomb, whom all the people who are up there, and they've all had that postseason, that postseason highlight, that great postseason moment to hang the theme on. And you could make the argument that, at least in terms of the sabermetrics numbers, that Clayton Khrushchev could wind up being the greatest Dodger of all time at this, at this trajectory. Absolutely. And yet there will be that. Dan Marino like hole in his resume, and you know many of my Giant fan friends, I like, would you know have the audacity to say, we'd rather have Bumgardner or or Kershaw, and it's almost the Wilt versus Bill Russell argument. You know, Wilt was put up the better numbers, was the better player, but Russell kept winning.
1: Right, and I think it, you sort of saw a similar thing with maybe like Jeter and A. Rod back when A. Rod was still playing shortstop for the Mariners. Right, you know, same kind of thing. It's like uh, the number, the regular season numbers show one player being better, but the one has the other one just has the postseason success that everyone remembers. And uh, you know, I think you know with the, with the way that team is run, I, I don't, I don't, wouldn't be surprised if they do end up in the World Series with Kershaw at some point. And, and I certainly hope they do because he really is, you know, like I said, a sort of generational talent. And I hate to see him. Him be one of those guys who's remembered for what he didn't do rather than for what he did do.
0: I really thought t- 2014. I mean, this is kind of ironic that when the 2014 postseason began, I really thought we were going to look at a Kershaw versus Trout World Series. Yeah. And of course, those two teams combined for one victory. Uh, but I thought that that you know Kershaw, remember, he was the MVP as well as the Cy Young Award winner. Whether you right. agree or not a pitcher should win the MVP or not, is that's a different argument. But he was unquestionably the best pitcher in baseball. And I thought, like, man, we're going to see the best hitter versus the best pitcher face off in a freeway series here. And so naturally it became Madison Bumgarner's time to shine.
1: Right, exactly. It's like, yeah, like you see, you, you, you touched on that, too. I think part of the frustration, obviously, for the Dodgers is not only have they failed to to translate any of these division titles into a – into a pennant, but they've seen their their biggest rivals, you know, win three World Series, and I think two of them from the wild card spot, or you know, one of
0: only no only twenty they won the division in 2010 and
1: 2012. Okay, right. the, but but yeah, like it's, but certainly with teams that weren't on paper the best teams in the, in any of those postseasons, I don't think. Um, so yeah, so that's got to that adds to the frustration for sure.
0: And they've won four straight division titles, and no one will remember that. It's kind of like what the Texas Rangers did in the nineties. No one's ever going to remember what they did because they never did anything in October. And I know many, I got many, many Dodger fan friends here in California, and they like, "That's hey, our fourth straight division titles. Great. Who's going to remember it?"
1: Yeah, you got you got at some point you got to translate those into into at least a World Series appearance. If not, all, I mean, a World Series victory, obviously, is the ultimate thing. But yeah. just just a pennant at least would, would make it a little bit easier, I think, to swallow. So what do you think the two teams have to do? I mean, if, if, they're certainly on the clock. So. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's so tough, though, because, you know, you look at, the, I think, the, for, the, for me, the postseason is such a crapshoot, you know, yeah. you just don't know. It's a best, that first series with, the with, you know, as you mentioned with the Nationals, I mean, they came close, two, two of the three times they've been in the Division Series, they came awfully close to winning, and who knows what they would have done if they had advanced. So, I, I don't know, I think the only thing you can do is try to build your team as best you can for the regular season and then, you know, once you get to that trade deadline, look at what you're missing for, for postseason. And maybe, you know, a lot of these teams, obviously, in recent years, have have parlayed um, excellent bullpens into postseason success. So I think that's one area both those teams probably want to look at, um, particularly yeah. uh, I think the Dodgers had a great closer, but maybe look at some of the some of the guys before that. And the, the Nationals, the bullpen's never been a real area of strength. Right. But other than that, it's hard to say. I mean, if you're good enough to win 95 games and win your division – you're good enough to win the World Series, so it's sometimes in some ways it's just luck, you know, it's just randomness of baseball.
0: Yeah, I I do you think Jansen's coming back to LA.
1: Right, I I think he probably is too. Yeah,
0: I think he is. I think I think that's just it makes too much sense. But then again, I thought it made too much sense that Grinky was going to come back to LA too. So sometimes it's what the heck do I know? Uh, I I find it funny that the Dodgers have had. Have made every effort to reunite the entire 2008 Philadelphia Phillies on their team with the ex- <laughs> with the exception of Cole Hamels, who was the one pitcher I felt like they should be going after.
1: Well, Ryan Howard's available now, so maybe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's true. I really thought you said Ron Howard for a second. I no, thought, right. and, and I thought I mean, you he's right, available. He, also. He's he, he, so. he may be. He may be as effective a hitter at this point. No offense That's to certainly against lefties. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, they they're not going to bring back Reddick obviously because he went he went to Houston I believe right or, or uh, yeah yeah he went to Houston uh, yeah so,
1: that's you, you uh, yeah they got him and uh, yeah,
0: yeah I re- I remember that's, that's... when they didn't make the trade for uh, uh, um, Cole Hamels a few years ago a buddy of mine sent out who's a big Dodger fan saying like listed the, the, the players that were rumored, like Jose Urias and a couple other players, that they better all be Hall of Fame candidates by the time this is all done.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it shows you it's just, you know, sometimes you uh, sometimes you just got to part with those prospects. That's kind of the point of having them. Yeah. I mean, our prospects is to when you have a chance to make a move for a Cole Hamels that you can
0: do it. And it's one of the things that, that the Red Sox and the Cubs – in their recent purging of tension that they've had on their teams, kind of went for it to basically say, all right, we got to get this monkey off of our back so we can become a regular team now.
1: Yeah, and I think the thing with Hamels also is he was not just a -a rent-a-player. You were getting multiple years from him, which makes it even more baffling, I think.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, The American League is so weird because I I think that it's the ultimate crapshoot there. I think there's so much parody in the American League. It's so you almost can't look at you know, with, with a, one team is great. One, I mean, the, the best teams win-loss record in 2014 were the Tigers, the A's, and uh, I believe uh, the Orioles. The Orioles, yeah, the Orioles, yeah, and 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 all and and the Angels. Right, and and it's like then you take a look at like a few years later, they're all falling on their face. It's like. I guess the Orioles made the made the postseason, but it's it's difficult that you know teams go up and down. Uh, is there any team with a sense of urgency? right think right now in the AL, I mean, I would personally say Seattle of the bunch. But
1: yeah, I mean, Seattle certainly is the team that um, they had the longest postseason drought. They've certainly invested some money in players last several years with Cano and Cruz. You know, they sort of made deals that were kind of go for it now type deals, and you know, of course, they had. Felix Hernandez, who at one time was one of the best players and, you know, best pitchers in baseball. I don't, I don't know that he's quite there anymore, but yeah, there's certainly a team that needs to, that needs to break that postseason drought if nothing else. And, um, like you said though, in the American league, you feel like it could happen any year, you know? I mean, it's, it just seems like it's a, it's a rotating cast of teams that are, that are making the playoffs. So I wouldn't be, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't shock anybody if they were good enough to say win a wild card next year.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but I don't, I you know, I don't know. Um, the Indians you mentioned, I think you know, certainly there's that sense of urgency from you know in terms of winning the World Series. But um, they kind, I think they kind of came out of nowhere a bit last year to win the pennant. So so they're they 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 probably aren't on the clock as much as they might be. Um, certainly not as much as they seem like they were in the 90s when they you know t- a team that really was excellent on the field for several years and just was never able to translate it into a World Series win. Um, so but I, yeah, I don't think there's anybody in the American League to me who has that kind of feel that the um, that the Nationals and Dodgers do. You know, they're just the absolute desperation right now.
0: Right. Right. All right. Let me ask you a couple of you turn uh, to a uh, another popular topic that comes about every offseason. And that is we have a Hall of Fame election coming up. And, right. um, you know, I'm of the mindset I don't know where you stand on certain things. Um, I, I get why people don't have uh, don't vote for some people with a PED label on them. I, for one, think that there are some players who have kind of transcended that. And and if I said I would much rather have a Hall of Fame that has Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens in it than a Hall of Fame that would have Tom Yawkey in it. Um, and so I, I I am of the mindset that I would love to see. I would love to see them just just do a major purging this year. Just sort of say, let's just anyone who's worthy on the, let's just get them out. I don't care if it's like 15 people elected and it looks like an earth, wind, and fire concert with all the people on the stage. You know, as long as we get the people who deserve to be in the Hall of Fame in the Hall of Fame. And
1: yeah, I, I was, I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: No, so that's where I stand. I and mean, some people don't agree with me on that, but that's just where I personally stand at that. And where, where, where do you t- where do you stand on that? And what do you think what do you want to happen and what do you think will happen?
1: All right. Well, yeah, I guess those are two very different, <laughs> very different yeah. questions. Um, I don't I don't have a vote. Um, if I can stay in the Baseball Writers Association for you know five, six more years, I would get a vote. But that's right. that's mm-hmm. obviously down the road at this point. Um, but in the last few years, I had done like a sort of a mock ballot for Sporting News where yeah. I you know did the you can vote for up to ten guys, and I think each of the years I did it, I voted. For, I did vote for ten, um, and I looked at this year's ballot, and I think there's probably about fourteen or even fifteen guys who are worthy of strong consideration. Um, probably what I would do if I did have a ballot was I would vote. I would vote for Bonds and Clemens, mm-hmm. but probably not for say like Sosa. Um, um, or, you know some of the other those guys, just on the idea that if we're gonna let the PED guys in it's going to have to start with those two in my mind. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they're clearly head and shoulders above everybody else as historic figures and as great players. Um, and they're guys who clearly, I think, are Hall of Famers with or without the help of of, mm-hmm. <laughs> of drugs because just what they accomplished just overall. So that's sort of how I would start. With I would vote for those two, and then I would, you know... I would, I would fill out all 10 spots because I think there's plenty of guys who are worthy. You know, this year you've got um, Tim Raines in his last year, and I certainly hope he would get in. Um, I, I would vote personally for Kurt Schilling, although I, I don't think much of him as an off-field figure. As, as, as a player, he was deserving of it. Yeah. Um, I would probably vote for Mike Messina. Uh, I would certainly vote for Jeff Bagwell. Um I would vote for Edgar Martinez and so there's several others I I haven't looked at it. Um, I don't have it in front of me but there's I would get up to 8 I think. What I think is going to happen is I think Reigns is going to get in in his last year, I think Bagwell's going to get in and I think Trevor Hoffman is going to either get in or come very close. He, I think he got like 67% of the vote last year in his first year and I think anybody who gets that much their first year is all, you know, almost always gets in by that second time around. So right. I think those are the three who get in. And then I think we see probably Clemens bonds stay around where they were, which is, I think, about 35 or so percent. Um, Maybe see a little improvement for Messina. Maybe see a little bit of uh, backsliding for Schilling, given all that's happened for him in the last year. Um, And then, you know, I'll be interested to see what happens with Igor Martinez, who I think is a guy who who really belongs in and and has been hurt by the fact that he spent most of his career as a DH. Um, But I think... If you're going to let a Trevor Hoffman in, I, I think you you can't really make an argument against DH if you're going to let these these one inning relievers in personally.
0: Yeah, I mean, i I'm I have a, I don't know. I guess I'm not the biggest Trevor Hoffman fan in the world. I sort of look at him and I go, why him and not Billy Wagner in my in my take? I mean, I'm I don't know. Maybe I have too many memories of Hoffman blowing big huge games for the for for San Diego along the way too. I I, I I, know, I have a weird feeling checking neck putting an X next to Hoffman's name. I think he'll probably get in, and I won't get a pitchfork and a torch and run up to Cooperstown to protest. It's like okay, you know, there's a few players in there. And like, I don't know if I would vote for him, but all right, he's in. Um, you know, Bruce Sutter and and uh, Bill Mazeroski are two that come off the top of my head. Going, don't know if th- I would have voted for them if I had a vote, but they're in, and so I'm you know fine move on with life there are other there are other things to get mad at at life but um yeah I think that I actually only think that um I think that Reigns is going to get in and I think Bagwell is going to get in yeah I think the three will be Reigns, Bagwell and Hoffman um uh and we'll 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 do the dance with Bonds and Clemens for another year they were actually up to 45 percent okay last yeah. year so I mean I think that you know there were accusations or whispers about Piazza, and look okay, quite frankly, I, I I call me cynical. I'm like, yeah, they prob- these people. You know, anytime there's a whisper, I probably I think like, yeah, I bet they probably did. I can't prove it. I can't say it in a court of law, but you know, as I said, I would if, if the difference between getting my podcast numbers or getting Mark Aaron's podcast numbers was taking a pill, I'd probably take the pill. Um, but you know, I don't think that uh, I don't think we're going to get a huge. Uh, ballot. But I think we'll get three. I think Reigns is a lock. I mean, he got up to 69.8. And I think enough people have examined his numbers to say, okay, let's let's this should have happened a long time ago.
1: Yeah. And And I think traditionally players get a last year bump. You know, if you look at the numbers, most guys in their last year's eligibility um, usually get get a several percentage point bump. So, yeah, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't get there.
0: And I think what the one that didn't get that bump was um, was Morris on his final year, and that was because he was on a whether or not you believe Morris belongs in the Hall of Fame or not. I know some people do, some people don't. But the fact that he was on a ballot with Maddox and Glavin, and that people could compare his numbers with theirs, I think that that was, you know, that you had three obvious Hall of Famers in Maddox, Glavin, and Thomas, and you also had Piazza and Beggio on that ballot. Right. Uh, I mean, that was like, I think that was the kiss of death for Morris. The win- the year that Morris had the best chance was the year that no one got voted in. And remember, there was that one year they didn't elect anyone.
1: Yeah, it was like the first year Bonds and Clemens were eligible.
0: Right. And like so 2012
1: or something like that. It was a
0: 2013 ballot. And okay, yeah. and uh, Morris was at 67 and BGO was at 68. And I think that if, if there were enough uh, protest votes... He would have been in the Hall of Fame. It's weird. It's weird how <laughs> these sort of politics are going to take are going to paint how we remember our immortals. So yeah,
1: absolutely, and, and it always has played a part in it. I mean, there's there's always been, especially like in the Veterans Committee and stuff. There's there's stuff going on beyond just you know who belongs in and who doesn't, and, and it's a shame. I wish wish it weren't that way, but I guess that's the, just the reality of the world we live in.
0: Yeah. Well, I just wish they would get Clemens and Bonds out of the way, because yeah. then, because just you know, come on, we we could both can we all agree that they deserve to be in? We'll debate Ramirez, we'll debate Padre Rodriguez, we'll debate Sosa and Sheffield and everyone else whose names has come around. That will have a we'll have a nice debate about that. But we can all agree that Clemens and Bonds should be in the freaking Hall of Fame, can't
1: we? Well, yeah, well, I, I certainly can, but um obviously you got what 65 percent of the votes. so um and i think that those numbers will keep going up a bit as you know older voters check out newer voters come in but it's boy it's going to be tough for them to get to that 75 percent before their eligibility runs out i think all
0: right well hey uh justin why don't you tell us a little bit you're starting up a new podcast why don't you tell us a little bit about that before i let you go on this sunday afternoon
1: yeah, well, we're in the, I'm in the beginning stages of it now, but I'm hoping to have, I'm hoping to have it, um, you know, my first edition out, maybe in a couple of weeks, maybe the week after next. Um, and what it. but the basic idea behind it is, is each week I'm going to um, interview the author of a, a, ba- a book on baseball, so some, you know, and it can be current book, old book, it doesn't really matter. Um, it's going to just, just things that people might be interested in as baseball fans. Um, and, you know, I'll talk to the author about the book, about what, you know, what research that went into it, about why they wanted to write that book, um, what things they learned from it, and talk a little bit about, you know, the content and, and that sort of thing. And um, I think it should be a lot of fun because I'm somebody who, who loves reading books on baseball history and, and just, you know, on baseball in general. Um, and I don't think there's a podcast quite like this out there. So I felt like this was a good opportunity. Um, and I've had a chance to meet several baseball authors through Twitter and through my job at Sporting News and stuff. So I have a few of them who are already on board. Um, I'm going to call it, uh, baseball by the book. And, um, there's already a Twitter account out there. If if people are interested in following that, it's at baseball book pod, um, on Twitter. And again, I'm hoping to have it out on in, in iTunes and all the other services within the next couple weeks. So, so keep an eye out for it. All right.
0: Justin, thanks so much for being part of the show. And nope, uh, No problem. Anytime. Uh, and I'm looking forward to your new show. Thank you, Justin McGuire. I'll leave links to his Twitter handle at SullyBaseball.com. Go to SullyBaseball.com. Uh, you can like me on Facebook. You can like me on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. You could be old school. Send me an email at info at sullybaseball.com. The music is by Ted Thacker, and it's also by Patrick Kalisky. I'm about to drive home after the debacle of trying to find my car, and thanks, Justin McGuire, for being part of the show. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the third day of December 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Let's start this car up, and you can call me Sully. All right. Don't lose your car again.